0: The draft is over. No more talking about what could be. Instead, we can talk about what is. Boys and girls, let's ride. I suppose it would help if I pulled this thing down now, wouldn't it? It's amateur hour out here where we are at. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gold Zone podcast. This is why I have a producer most of the time, but I don't tonight. There we go. We got everything set up. I took the wrong thing down. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you that have been with us all season long. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I'm your host. I'm live here, as I always am, in the Game on Wisconsin studios. Joined by my good friend, my... We seem to have babies within months of each other. So I don't mm-hmm. know what that makes us, but I'm sure there's some urban dictionary term that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> Paul Brettel, you can follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bretto. Paul, you're about in the home stretch now, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's getting to crunch time. We're about a we're about a month out now. Um, so like two weeks ago I looked at Ash. I said, You're like sick, it's like six weeks away. Like, hit me.
0: Right. Nothing, nothing quite like that. So that's where we're at on, on the baby front for Brattle Watch. Uh, So looking forward to meeting the new son or daughter here in the coming weeks and uh, excited for that. I actually know what it is. I just didn't say in case Paul hasn't made that public knowledge because another,
1: another little girl,
0: another little girl. Okay. So Reagan has a little sister on the way. That will be fun. Appreciate you stopping by Paul. You can find him over Dairyland Express, where he writes like four articles a day. And then, of course, Cheesehead TV as well, where he has one per week at least. Um, Paul, is that going to slow down at all now that draft season is over and we're kind of into the, the dead zone, as I like to call it?
1: Um, the hardest month to write in is June. So May, I think, will be good just to kind of look back at uh, the draft that was. And there's plenty of topics out there if we search. But June, that's the that's the hardest month of the year.
0: Yeah, and last year we had quarterback watch, and this year we don't. Mm-hmm have that thank god i'm thankful for (laughs) that but yeah thankful for that but also kind of you know bummed out a little bit i guess if that's the right word that we just we don't have anything to speculate on but as a fan who's gone through this the last two off seasons you know the jordan love one and then obviously this one this past one i should say kind of looking forward to just a quiet one let's just hang out for a little bit and wait and see and be optimistic about the the Christian Watsons and the Quay Walkers and Devontae Wyatts of the world instead of worrying about who's going to play quarterback for the team Mm -hmm. this year. So let's get into it. The draft is over. The draft that was, the Packers did pick 11 times, which was a little surprising. They traded up once. uh, They traded back once. So they ended up finishing with the same amount of picks that they started with. Four in the seventh round, one in the fifth round, two in the fourth round, one in the third round, one in the second round, and, of course, the aforementioned Two in the first round and one of the bigger, I don't know if that's the right word, but surprises of the first round was that Green Bay picked at 22 and 28. Paul, when we were talking like offline, we were saying that we would have been surprised if they picked there. Uh, Gudekunst definitely has a propensity for trading up. He did not do that. Uh, So he stuck and picked in pick 22 was Quay Walker and pick 28 was Devontae Wyatt, a couple of Georgia Bulldogs to play on this defense. Uh, The Quay Walker pick was a surprise. Um, to some, I would say, I think that the day of you started to read. I remember the day of I kept reading mock drafts Thursday. Yeah, morning, exactly. And it was receiver and linebacker, receiver and linebacker, receiver and linebacker. And I was just like, are they really going to take? Like, they just haven't done that. I think, you know, they haven't. And they did. And Owen Reese, who was on last night's or this morning's Pack a Day podcast, told me he spoke with someone in the front office and he said, Quay all the way. That was who they were picking at 22. I've been told subsequently that they had a top 10 grade on Quay Walker. That is incredible. So they got the guy that they have a top 10 grade on at 22. They take Devontae Wyatt at 28. Someone Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show, he knew very much that they liked quite a bit coming into that day. So he kind of had an understanding that that was going to happen. Paul, just what was your general takeaway from the first day of, of – just the first day of the draft?
1: Um, I was – a bit. I was surprised by both selections. Linebacker, you mentioned it's one that they typically don't address. But on top of that, they paid Devondre Campbell. So all those mock drafts you were referencing, even though they had many of them had Quay Walker, I still didn't believe it, uh, just because they had signed Campbell to a five-year, fifty million dollar deal. We know, it's that position they typically put a emphasis on, whether it's dollars or draft capital. So doing both in the same offseason, I, I I just didn't see it happening. And then with Devontae Wyatt. You know, you know. I've talked about. I know many people have that uh, age. The age that the Packers address in the first round, they typically don't even go over twenty-two. Um, more often than not, since twenty-fifteen, the players haven't been older over twenty-one. And again, this is in the first round. But Devonte Wyatt's twenty-four. So these are two, you know, tendency breakers in that regard. So from that standpoint, I was surprised, however, in what they can offer the Packers defense. I wasn't surprised at all. You know, I, I'd mentioned that if we look back at the how the frequency at which the Packers played with just Campbell on the field last year, you know, should have been more self-aware with it. But if we look back, was it one linebacker out of necessity, or is that because of what they wanted to do? Well, clearly that was more so out of necessity. So this gives them the opportunity to stay more in that true base nickel defense. I think Walker's gonna have a, a big impact right away against the run. Super, super reliable tackler, uh, uber athletic player uh, who can make those sideline to sideline plays. Also has that coverage ability as well with that athleticism, especially against tight ends running backs. So I think Matt LaFleur called him a Devondre Campbell clone. So that's a good thing right there. And then with Devontae Wyatt, the defensive line rotation, that can always that can always be upgraded. And when you have a really good, you know, A gap, B gap defender, that can give Kenny Clark flexibility around for one communities that's maybe fewer double teams for gary and smith to have to contend with uh keeps the linebackers safeties clean when you have a a strong defender along the interior everyone on this green bay packers Mm -hmm. defense is going to benefit so from that standpoint and the fit and the need the selections in that regard they they made sense um i wasn't surprised that they didn't take a receiver in the first round after how the board fell Early on, so going two defenders, that wasn't really a surprise uh, whatsoever. But when we look at this defense, even before the draft on paper, it looked very, very good. But if you had to pick out what are two areas where they improve, linebacker two, adding the interior defensive line rotation, that's what they did.
0: Yeah, perhaps the most important question that comes out of the first day of the draft is from our guy Labo. And he's wondering, <laughs> did you have your smoke chicken wings on draft night?
1: I, gosh, I think the last time I made them was for you, Jake.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So it's been far too long since that has happened is all I know. So that just means I need to, I think it was, yeah, last like fall, early winter. Mm -hmm. I think it might've been the Rams game is the one that, or the Seattle, one of those two games sticks out Mm -hmm. in my head for whatever reason. But yeah. uh, And the other point that, you know, is here is that Gutekunst tried to trade up. He talked about the possibility of trading up and everything like that, but I'm with you as soon as Jamison Williams went off the board. For me, that was the end of trading up for any receiver. And then when Traylon Burks went, it was like, okay, so they don't really need to take one at all Mm -hmm. in the first round. And and we'll talk about this in just a little bit. And I, I think that's fine. And I do wonder just how different the discussion nationally might be if the draft went, Christian Watson, 22, Devontae Wyatt, 28, trade up for Quay Walker or, you know, any order, but has Christian Watson as one of those first two picks, how different it might be. I think that was fine. What Green Bay did. I do like Quay Walker. I wrote in my article of guys I would trade up for, guys I would stick and pick, guys I would trade back for. Quay Walker was somebody that I was fine picking at 28th. 22, Mm -hmm. a little high, but honestly, if you're okay with picking somebody at 28, you're probably okay with yep. picking one at 22 as well. So I was more than okay with taking him there. I was okay with not trading up for a receiver. Like I mentioned, once Jamison Williams was gone, yep, that was it. Like there was no trading up for a guy. And frankly, when people are like, oh my God, you know, they were just one player away. Number one, I don't believe you're ever one player away from winning a championship. And number two, I don't ever think that one player is a receiver. If you are ever one player away, it's a quarterback. And the Packers have one of those. So I wasn't too worried On that front, there are fair questions about this skill position group. No question about Mm -hmm. it. We'll talk about that a lot between now and and the start of September. But ultimately, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur all kind of smiled, and they said, we got a pretty good quarterback that can take care of those things. And Green Bay does. So as far as the actual picks, something that I do like about the Quay Walker selection is the potential, like you mentioned in here, and Iowa Joe brings it up, is the running mate uh, for Campbell, and that is that, Instead of playing, like you mentioned, they played that third safety a lot last year and everybody was like, Oh, Joe Barry loves his three safety looks. It's like, does he, or does he just think Chris Barnes isn't very good? And it appears the answer is to some degree, the latter, they obviously like Chris Barnes enough to start him last year, but the answer was the latter. And they did some things last year to try it. Like they signed Jalen Smith. They tried to do that whole thing. That didn't work obviously uh, for a variety of reasons, but I think you're going to see, and I know people are upset about this, but honestly, like, Whatever, you know, I understand some positions are more important than others, but I despise the talking point of position X does not matter. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that's just not true. And would you rather have a good player at a position or a not so good one at a position? And the other line of thinking that I don't like, and I do want to talk about this, and I'm not, I'll just say this first and foremost. I'm not picking on Peter Bukowski when I say this, because I know he's been under fire throughout some of the week for some of the things he said over the weekend, and those are his takes. But I don't like the notion of Team X won the Super Bowl and had bad linebackers. It's like those two things are true, but they're not related. The Packers mm-hmm. didn't win or lose the Super Bowl because of, or the, I'm sorry, the Chiefs in this case didn't lose the Super Bowl because they have bad linebackers. The Rams didn't lose the Super Bowl because they had bad linebackers. That's just a really odd way to look at it. And it also forgets that like Devin White's not as good as like some casual fans think he is but he's a good player and Levante David is a really good player. So the Bucks won a championship with one of the best linebacker rooms in the world. The other mm-hmm. side of that coin is if we're going to say bad linebacker meant winning the super bowl. Well, can I do that with the 49ers? Then they played in an NFC championship game and a super bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Do quarterbacks not matter too? Of course not. Cause we know that's the case. I just <laughs> don't like the discussion point at all of this position. This player doesn't matter. And positional value Of course, like I would rather have a top-five edge rusher than a top-five run-stuffing defensive tackle. Of course, I would rather have that. But I think we've gone too far in the other direction, talking about positional value and why this thing matters more or less than another one and things of that nature. So, Something I like about the Walker pick is, like you mentioned, they can play those two backer looks more. They can play run and pass a little more easily, and they have the ability to be multiple on defense. They can still do those one-backer looks. They can still do... Some of the things that they have done in the very recent past, uh, with with all those things. So, that's my take on that. Wyatt was somebody I was surprised, and Iowa Joe pointed this out as well. Uh, that was that the red flags and his age obviously was one thing. There is a history of of family violence and a couple of different things he talked about. Brian Goodkin's talked about how he stubbed his toe a couple of different times, which I thought was a really funny thing uh, or a funny way to phrase that. But the Packers are comfortable with the person we'll see. There are, there is a lot of discussion about his immaturity though. And that is something that if you read an article that has quotes from scouts and I know like Bob McGinn is one of those and he became under fire today as well, but like that's comments from NFL evaluators and things that they were in fact worried about. So just things to keep an eye on, but I was surprised when they took Wyatt cause he's 24 years old, but on the field, mm-hmm. most talented defensive lineman on the roster, not named Kenny Clark. And I am all for a defensive line rotation of very good, Sam. Thank you. That is, that is phenomenal. Why it not? Okay. Um, when you talk about this defensive line rotation, I say there's like some discussion now of like, do they, I think you even wrote it in one of your articles this week, Paul, and that's Dean Lowry. And could he be on the chopping block to which I say, I always say this cap space is not a player. And unless there's somebody that that 6 million dollars is going to help them get, like if like say a a tight end becomes available who's a veteran and the difference between, you know, being able to sign him versus not is cutting Dean Lowry, then sure, go ahead. But cutting him solely to save money, I don't think that's that serves a purpose. Dean Lowry right now, for my money's worth, is the team's third best defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe second because I might be given a little too much credit already to Devonte wyatt so i think the packers have a few things they need to work out on that end i think they have um but i think keeping lowry on there i lancaster's gone bro so thankfully i don't think we have to worry about that too much anymore but i like the rotation on the defense yes side. let's get to the highlight here it appears we have a visitor so that's okay we're gonna bring her in here everybody say <laughs> hi to blake blake say hi she came down to the basement so She's going to hang out with us for just a little bit. Do not touch anything, but we have a, a trade when we get to the second day of the draft. And as soon as they traded up, I was with Brandon Snide, our mutual friend here. And I will never forget the look on his face. When I told him they traded up for Christian Watson and he (laughs) screamed about as loud as I'd ever heard a grown man scream in a very long time. I was not with Ross Uglum. Maybe he screamed louder, but Christian Watson was the pick at 34. So let me ask you, Paul, when they're, when it's announced they're trading up from 53 and 59 subsequently to 34, who do you think they're taking? Oh, I'm going to be quiet. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I thought George Pickens. Um, and then my second guess would have been Christian Watson. Those are the only two. I, I assumed it had to be for receiver, So I guess I was locked into that mindset. Um, so in terms of receivers, those are the two guys that I thought were going to be, that they were going to be targeting and in terms of what they traded away to move up because um, i know a lot of those trade value charts say that they gave up more than they received like specifically just talking about the draft picks i wrote in my one of my takeaways like i was like i don't care um, and the reason i don't care is because of the process of <clears throat> going and getting your guy if there's someone that you know fills a position in need And you believe can become, you know, a game changer, which Christian Watson certainly has the ability to be, you know, if we look at immediate short-term impact, it's going to be that vertical threat downfield, uh, potential kick returner, someone that Matt LaFleur can use as the motion guy on gadget plays. He's going to have to develop into being the dude, you know what I mean? Like it's third and six, you got to get six yards. He's probably not that guy week one. Not that he can't make those plays occasionally, but in terms of being that guy you know, consistently, that's one of those things he's going to have to continue to develop with. But in terms of recognizing and trusting your valuation and how you have players graded, if he's that guy for you, and he seems to be because reportedly Green Bay also tried to trade up pick 32 with Minnesota to, I think, take Watson as well. They clearly love the guy. And if you feel that strongly about a player – And the player that he can become, because again, that's what the draft is about, not who they are, it's who they can become. And in terms of ceilings among this receiver class, one of the highest, if not potentially, just given his athletic traits and size. So if you have that feeling about a player, go and get him. Again, I'm not worried about 20 points on a trade value. Also, as with Minnesota, maybe that was a, a divisional tax of, hey, we don't want to get your guy, but if you give us a little extra, we'll consider it. So in that regard, um, I had no problem with the move up. Again, Watson turns out to be is completely different from you know what we're discussing right now. But the trade, the move to go get the guy that you love, I'm all for it. I'd rather have see that aggressiveness than you know. Fingers crossed. Hope the guy we like falls to us.
0: Yeah, and they've done that the last couple of years. And one guy who had a theory about the Packers maybe potentially trading up to go get their guy and maybe being a little more aggressive than what they typically have been in order to do that. Now we thought they were going to do that on day one. They didn't. Uh, They did it on day two and it was for a North Dakota stater and Christian Watson and Jacob Morley is on the scene now. So Jake, we were talking about your move up theory, basically of the Packers maybe being a little more aggressive than they normally would be to make sure that they get their man. Do you think that's something that came into play with the Watson selection?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and first of all, how do I how do I sound here, fellas? I'm I am sitting in my classroom right now, as dumb as uh, normal. So as dumb as normal, good 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 deal. That's what I figured. Voice is wonderful. Um, uh, or Morley, yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, in the past, we we look at you know Justin Jefferson. We look at uh, Rashad Bateman was apparently the guy last year that they could have gone up to go get that they really liked, and for whatever reason they didn't do it. And so I just think this year uh, Goody was just like, hey, enough is enough. We are going to move heaven and earth to go get the guy that we want to get. And, you know, just hearing what Paul said, like, I completely agree with that. Like, if you believe in this kid and if mm-hmm. you think he is the next guy on your board and if he is if he is one of your six first round graded wide receivers, which, by the way, he, he was gay, okay, like little inside baseball there when Aaron Rodgers said I think the uh, I think they had six first round grades on receivers uh that is 100% Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and kind of being like haha I know something you guys don't know and cuz I think he probably had a pretty good idea of what they were going to do early on day 2 um and move up and go get Christian Watson and and that's kind of the 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 mindset too of like if you would have been comfortable taking him at 22 or 28 and he's the next receiver off the board, then they drafted a first round receiver, you know, at, at 34. And they gave up the picks to go get him. And don't like Paul said, they yeah, they gave up a lot to go get him. Does it matter? And, and we will only ever talk about that again is if, if he doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. If he's good, who gives a damn? Right? Like, go you got your guy. So um, I love it, man. I love that they went and, and just did it because that's kind of what I think all of us were kind of campaigning for them to do is like, go, go get the guy you want to get like you, you and, and Goody kind of does have the support of the fans and it, which is, was kind of an odd sense on day two of the draft. I don't think we're always necessarily used to that of fans being like, Oh man. Okay. So Watson was your guy. Okay. I I trust you. And, and you better be right.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing I did want to point out too, was whenever we talk about, Oh, did they give up too much? Did they get fleeced? Like, Guys, what did the Packers give up to trade up and get Jair Alexander? Do you remember? What was the exact pick? You don't remember. And
1: some fourth rounders, or who knows?
0: Yeah, you don't remember. Why? Because Jair Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. That's why. It's going to be the same. If Christian Watson is good, it's all we're worried about. It's kind of the same discussion with like what we were talking about a little bit earlier with quay walker is anybody going to remember that quay walker was a linebacker they took in the first round and you can't take a position with that kind of value in the first round if he's good no if he stinks then yeah that might be a talking point but that's going to be another discussion for a different day my take on the receiver thing is pretty simple and i kind of talked about it once player act you know once jameson was off the board no sense taking any once um treylon burks was off the board no sense picking a guy there My thing is, like, I do wonder, what if Green Bay had been able to get up to 32 like they were trying to do the night before and take Watson? How different of a conversation are we even having at this point nationally about how the Packers didn't do enough or they didn't do this or they didn't do that? Or are we talking about it as like, oh, they got here and they went up and they got Aaron Rodgers some help. They did something for Aaron Rodgers. It's like, well. Maybe, I mean, I wouldn't have moved up for Christian Watson that much. Like I have, I'm not surprised that the Packers did. That's clearly somebody that is like one of their types. And he's very height, weight, speed, high upside. Paul, you mentioned upside in this class. I think he has the highest upside of any receiver, maybe other than Jamison Williams. Like that's the other one that comes to mind on that. Then that's a lofty comparison. There's differences. Of course, Christian Watson's not that polished. You know, he's not able to do some of the things that Jamison Williams can do on the field, but hey, we'll see.
2: Jacob, Jacob I'm actually going to push back on that. I think Christian Watson is, is more polished than what people give him credit for. I think he's going to surprise people just like he did at the senior bowl coming in day one and like, Oh, this guy can actually run short intermediate and deep routes. Uh, this guy actually is showing a, a better understanding of this offense than maybe what we thought. Um, and, and Jameson Williams isn't going to play until October. But in any case, uh, the thing that I think is worth talking about, and I've been talking about this as much as I can, because I think the next conversation with these young receivers is, man, what do we know about twelve? He does not like throwing you the ball if you're not on the same page as him mentally. And can either of these, can any of these young guys get on the same page with him? Because Aaron Rodgers is one of the, you know, he he claims to be. No, he doesn't claim to be, but he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room, regardless of any conversation or any topic. Like that's well documented. But when it and comes, it's probably to football, because he is like <laughs> that's well, part of it too. Not on any topic. with some I stuff.
0: With but football though. At.
2: When it comes to football, that's accurate. Like that is accurate when it comes to the game of football. He is the smartest guy in the room. So you better intellectually better be you better be able to play with him. You better be able to sit there on third and five and realize that you know, they're sitting in coverage X and my route concept is dictating that I do Z, but really I need to do Y because of that coverage. Aaron knows that, 12 knows that, do you? You know what I mean? That's who he wants to play with is the guy that he's like, I want you, you know, instead of running your, your seven step slant, I actually want you to cut it off at five and just, and just sit down in the zone because that's where the pocket's going to be. Like, can you be the guy that immediately can get on that page with him? Because that is who... That's why he likes Lazard so much is because Lazard is that kind of guy where he's just really smart, dude. That's why, you know, he liked Devontae as much as he was because Devontae was also one of the smartest guys in the room as well. But Devontae also had the athletic tools that Lazard doesn't have. Um, So you're hoping you get that with Watson and Dubs and Torre and Watkins, whoever these guys are, um, that they can come in. Because I think that's going to be a storyline. Well, we, it will be because if things don't go well, you know, that's going to be the storyline, right? Guys, like, well, they got them only young guys that these guys don't, you know, they're not with it, you know, intellectually. How could, how dare the Packers do that to Aaron Rodgers? They should have gone out and got them veterans. Like, you know, so unless these rookies come out and are gangbusters immediately, there's going to be some annoying storyline um, that we probably need to prepare ourselves for.
1: I have a question off that 100% agree with everything you said. Do you think we see, you know, maybe less of it or more more passes towards those receivers because if we look back at young receivers that have been brought in over the last decade plus, there's been an established receiver or two for Rogers to lean on so he has you know why would I go to them when I have Donald Driver, Devontae Adams? Whereas now we necessarily don't have that security blanket. And again, I don't have the answer, but just right. wondering what your thoughts are. Do we see maybe more of him guys early on, knowing that we got to get them reps in week one, two, three, four? Because I'm going to need them come playoff time.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, and we'll find we're fixing to find out, right? right? Because you know, whenever whenever we've seen Rodgers in the past not have his guys like the, the Arizona game last year was kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, the Randall Cobb game where Cobb caught two touchdowns and they ran the ball. You know, there's the Aaron Jones game when they were down receivers or down Devontae, And we saw in each of those games, they did a better job, you know, finding the matchups that they like with what they have. And I think we're going to see a season long uh, variation of that where it's going to be a week to week thing. It might be, you know, one week, uh, A.J. Dillon gets 22 carries and carries the load for the team and, the, and they win that way. There might be another week where Sammy Watkins, one of the three games he's going to be healthy is, you know, he's going to be good. Uh, there might be another week where Watson shines and you're like, that's why they drafted this kid. And then the next two weeks he has two catches, you know. So, like, I think it's the next evolution of Matt LaFleur's offense is is the matchup game is where can we win, Um, you know, with Devontae, it. Devontae can win every, anywhere and everywhere, and he's awesome. And you're better with that guy on your team, no doubt. Um, but it still doesn't mean they can't be a really, really good offense without him. And I think we're going to see that that sample this, this year. And that's a great point. It's like, 12, you don't really have a choice. These are the guys that are going to be out there with you. Get them the ball. You know, and with Watson, what I think will be interesting with him is the – The Packers get the ball to their receivers really easily sometimes. Like, I think some people forget about that. Like, they still run the slant flat slant flats concept more than anybody in the NFL. And that, you know, that was the thing with Burks, that if they would have took trail on Burks, I would have said the same. Like, dude, just throw him those quick little flat screens and let him go to work. Do that three times a game. You can do that with Watson, too. Do that three times a game. The thing with Watson, though, is you start – You start squatting on that or you start getting antsy with that and he will absolutely destroy you over the top. So there's a path to him being successful just with a few different ways this early in his career. I mean, like DK Metcalf still doesn't run a full route tree and he's one of the most dominant receivers in the NFL. Guys that we're, you know, a guy that we are clamoring for in Green Bay. And uh, I think Watson can win that way early in his career.
0: Yeah. And like you said, that's, that's the option they're going to have. The, the question that is fair about this group is going to be, okay, you got to play the matchup game. You got to scheme these dudes open, blah, 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 all that stuff. And all that stuff's great. When it's third and five late in the game, who's going to be the guy that they go to? Cause those are plays that are designed for a player, not for a scheme or a, or a specific play, so to speak, players not plays in that specific instance. So that'll be the part that's interesting. Um, you know, Christian Watson, I talked to Ross Uglum today, and I think on the mental side of things, he's certainly going to be able to do that. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, he's, he's making a jump, right? FCS to the NFL and college to the NFL in general is a jump. So he's just making another jump. I'm going to be excited of, of the players in camp. He's one of the guys I'm the most excited to see. Mm-hmm. Let's move. Cause we've got a few things going on tonight. Make sure, uh, that tonight you stick around after we are done here. Cause Lombardi's bar is going to run. After we are done, and then tomorrow, Open Book has a special guest that's coming on, and maybe we kind of talked about him a little bit already. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. Pick three in the third round was Sean Ryan, the offensive lineman from UCLA, and then I'm going to go with the other two offensive linemen just to group them together. Zach Tom at pick 140 out of Wake Forest, and then in the seventh round they took Rasheed Walker, the offensive lineman out of Penn State. So here's my big thing on that. That's very clear. Brian Gutekunst is going to take multiple offensive linemen in the draft more often than not. He's done three each of the last three seasons, and I am very interested to see how he continues to do these things throughout the year. But I think it's a big deal that Gutekunst has continued to reinforce those areas in the trenches. And Sean Ryan, to me, like that was my favorite, and I really like Zach Tom too, but my favorite of those three is Sean Ryan because I think he's a plug-and-play start guard like tomorrow, and he might end up playing tackle for them. I think they'll give him and Tom a chance to play in mm-hmm. at tackle and and not do it essentially. But I think it was on your episode of Packaday, Morley, that Ross was talking about the size of uh, Sean Ryan's backside. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Uh, I think yeah. Ben Fennel said it. He's got the biggest ass in the class. Yeah. Like it's – Yeah. I mean, it's a big boy and I think guard is where it is, where it is for him. And I think he'll be a plug and play right guard. And I I prayed to baby Jesus yesterday and said, I don't ask for much, but just give me one playoff game or two or one playoff season of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins at the tackles with John Runyon, Josh Myers and Sean Ryan, all healthy in the middle. So uh, Paul, what was your take, real quick? Because I know you've got to get out of here. What is your take on the Packers adding three offensive linemen again?
1: It was a must. I mean, before the draft, if you look at healthy options, your tackles were Nyman and Bakhtiari and maybe Van Lannen, depending how they feel about him. And then your interior guys, you know, Newman, or yeah, Newman, Myers, and Runyon. And then behind them was Jake Hansen, Van Lannen, and Michael Manet. Uh, so, again, the depth was so, so thin. And we saw last year how important depth is, you know, along the offensive line. So, adding to it was a must. They go and get their versatile guys, Ryan, and, uh, Zach, Tom, and some competition was certainly created. And it was needed this this offseason or this summer. We know that, or we knew prior to the draft that, or we thought prior to the draft, I should say, that right tackle is going to belong to Nyman, but he hasn't played right tackle since Virginia. And there was this quote from billy turner about how moving from right to left side or vice versa it's like uh going to the bathroom and what and wiping with the other hand you know it's not josh just necessarily-
0: said that too yeah.
1: okay yeah he took it from sitting i believe but it's not you know you just switch sides either and nyman only has just over 600 snaps he needs competition maybe he ends up being the week one guy at right tackle well until jenkins returns but he's he's not at that stage of his career by any means where he, that should just be given either. So Green Bay did what they had to. They created a ton of competition along the interior and at the tackle positions uh, heading into the summer.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is Owen Reese talked about this a lot too, is that Nyman did a good job last year, but he's not good enough to where you don't search potentially mm-hmm. for an upgrade at that position. And it's very possible. Like I just mentioned that group and then, you know, my thinking already is that left to right to start the season will be those first four guys I mentioned. And then Yosh Nyman plays right tackle, but it's certainly possible that from left to right, you go Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Sean Ryan, Zach, Tom, or, you know, either way, one way or the other with those guys on that front. So, I'll be interested to see how they play with those offensive linemen. We do got a question. I do want to address this real quick. It's a little bit after we started talking about the receiver stuff, but we'll transition to Romeo dubs here in a minute. So it works, but is green Bay bringing in another veteran receiver. I don't think so. Um, The other day I did a way too early 53 man roster prediction and I kept seven receivers and that includes Samari Torre in that group. They may only keep six Torre. could be somebody that could easily sneak through the practice squad, but if they bring in a veteran receiver, you're talking about if they keep 7 then it's very simple cut tore like i said and bring them in but if they're only keeping 6 cuz they got to keep somebody else somewhere else now you're talking about having to potentially cut amari rodgers that's not something that that we've got to be able to that i don't think i don't think that's something they're going to be able or willing to do in that part plus not just that but as far as the veteran receivers go Odell Beckham, he exploded Julio Jones, old Will Fuller, older, not really old, but injured. And they've had chances to require him before and have not like, and I, I don't know. I just, I don't know who you're going to bring in. That's this massive difference maker, unless there's an unforeseen trade opportunity that we just don't know about yet. And that certainly could be something that does happen, but I just don't think it's going to. And I don't think Green Bay's offense is fine, quote unquote, as is, but it's going to have to be like, they're not replacing Devontae Adams with one guy and everybody wanted them to move heaven and earth to get a receiver. But like, honestly, the only guy that moved over the weekend was AJ Brown and AJ, well and Hollywood Brown, but that was egregious and stupid. And if the Packers had done that, I'd have been really pissed, but they didn't thankfully. Uh, The only guy that moved was AJ Brown. And the Packers probably weren't going to be able to acquire A.J. Brown with the draft capital and the contract extension that came from that with the Philadelphia Eagles. So shout out to them birds, though. They are uh, they're going to win the NFC East. Go ahead and write that down right now. The, The Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the NFC East. But anyways, Jake, that gives me to the transition to your guy, my guy and the guy who clinched. The 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 snake draft for me and earn me a couple of boxes of build bars mr romeo dubs out of nevada and i think at minimum here's my thing with him at minimum dubs is going to be able to come in and solve this team's punt return problem amari Mm -hmm. rogers i thought could do that last year and then he never looked comfortable doing it not once dubs i think will and then you add in that he could be the team's kickoff returner. I know I talked to Ross Uglum earlier today, and he thinks it's going to be Christian Watson. He was an All-American doing so in North Dakota State. But I do think Dobbs, Dobbs, however you pronounce the name. Somebody told me the other day, and I already forgot, is going to be able to do that. Um, I think that's the way that it's going to go with with the Packers, uh, with their kickoff and punt return situation. But he's a little more than just that, huh? He can do a few more things uh, besides win built bars and return punts.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what – what really kills me about the snake draft is you took two guys. You just drafted better than me, you know. Like you took two guys that, like, before the draft, I'm on record saying I think I think Romeo is like I think it was that Cruz that tweeted like If there's one guy that you think is going to be a Packer, like your life depended on it, I clicked. I said Romeo. Romeo Dubs. Dubs. I think it's Dubs. I think and, then Dobbs, but and then I Zach and then Zach Zach Tom was the other guy that like I forgot he was in the draft because I just already thought he was in the Packers locker room like that I was drafted the guy him that, first
0: overall by the way I that just was a want great pick out, I drafted Zach Tom first overall
2: that, yeah yeah because that was the guy that all of us were like dude this is he's a Packer like he is a Packer he fits everything they they like and everything they do. Um, so great job. Good on you. I'll send those built bars your way. I can't really promise the same for Uglum. Who knows if uh, Russ Uglum will come through on that. Uh, but. Well, I'll be surprised if Ross even
0: remembers that that was a thing that we did. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't,
2: but I'll, I'll send you some cookies and cream. We'll be on your way. Okay. That's, uh, that's coming <laughs> in. the middle. Um, but I forgot what the question was Romeo. Oh yeah. Well, what can Romeo do? Yeah. I think he's a pun returner. I think, uh, he, It is funny because I think if you would do like we like to say like discount versions of guys. And I think Romeo in a lot of ways is a discount version of Watson because you look at what he is going to be able to come in right away and do. And it's a lot of vertical stuff. Um, So I I think a lot of vertical stuff. And then with the idea of he might be a better route runner from Jump Street than we than he was given a chance to be in college. Um, And I remember Romeo at the senior bowl like he had a nice week. And I think he kind of surprised some people and he was picking up some steam and then he got hurt and couldn't test and couldn't do all this other stuff. And I'm going to say this because I was on another podcast today and the person told me that, like, is there been stuff floating around? Like, did he have, like, a weird pro day or something? Like, where he had, like, an anxiety attack or, like, something odd? Have you guys heard anything like that? Like I, Bob I McGinn, It was in Bob McGinn's article today where they said that somebody
0: told him at the Senior Bowl he had an anxiety meltdown, which, by the way <laughs> – Incredibly inappropriate, yeah. To to report that without like several bits of confirmation on that, first of
2: all, and also without any
0: context, (laughs) and and yes, without any context at all. So, like, basically, in the article, McGinn calls Dobbs a mental midget, for lack of better Mm -hmm. phrasing, because of that. And I I just, I think this words it really well. Listen, Bob's been doing this a long time. I grew up reading Bob McGinn. At some point. It's time to put the pen down, yeah. and yeah. and I think it's time to move on.
2: There was a there was a time in place where Bob McGinn was kind of the authority on draft things, and that, that was a
0: really long fucking yeah, time ago.
2: That time in place probably has passed, but yeah, I don't like that that's published, especially in today's NFL. And I will say if if that is something, if if Romeo struggles with anxiety or whatever, one that's not weird at all anymore. You know, like in an NFL locker room, like a lot of those guys struggle with that stuff. He's going to have so much pressure on him. And two, he is in the best damn place he could have landed because Green Bay does such a good job with with those guys and, and, their, and their mental state. Um, I know that – I know for a fact we've talked to guys um, on the team that – and I, I know – You know, like Sternberger, I I know he won't mind me sharing this. Just last year, you know, when he was still with the team and he got he went through his issues. I think it might have been this very podcast that he came on and talked about how the 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 how LaFleur has set up that culture there that if someone is struggling with something mentally, like they pick you up and they kind of wrap their arms around you and make sure, like, hey, you're not alone in this. And we care about you whole like the holistic approach to like, you are not just a piece of meat football player to us. We care about you as a human being and we want you to be successful here on the football field for us. But we also want you to be successful in your personal life, in your relationships in all that stuff. Like they, they look at it from a, a, a top to bottom approach and like, if you can't play, are they going to keep you around? No, but it is a business and they know that like, there is stuff that goes on outside of what goes on at twelve sixty five Lombardi. So one, that's a bullshit thing to say in an article, and two, I hope he I hope he comes in and is just awesome now because of that too. Um, but so okay, so that was that's where that came from. So we can discredit that. Um, but who he is as a player is is someone that I and I've tweeted this. I think when people see him in person, they're going to be like, damn, like this guy's big. Like, I remember that was the talk at the senior bulls. Like, is this a tight end? Well, he doesn't move like a tight end. He moves like a receiver. Oh, he is a receiver. Like he is a big, you know, muscle on top of muscle type guy um, that I think he's got a lot of snap in his routes. When you, when you watch him kind of snap off his routes, like it's, it's pretty nice. And so like, I think you look at that and say, and, and they even talked about it when they drafted him. Like we think he can really get there as a route runner. Um, and I think he, he can as well. Now the, the coming from that air raid type offense, like it's going to be a steep learning curve coming to the NFL. Like that's usually where we don't really get to know what's going on behind closed doors with like, can they get to that point? Um, but as far as athletic ability, like he is, he he is discount Christian Watson. He's not that type of alien athlete, but he's a very good athlete. Um, really good at getting behind defenses. And also he's, he's surprisingly good with the ball in his hands. And you mentioned him as a punt returner. Um, he's another type of guy. Like run him on those tunnel screens. Get him the ball in space. Um, he's going to be able to do some stuff. And 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 he's going to make some plays this year that I think are going to raise eyebrows as well. He's a fun player.
0: He is. And let's go to – we had a question here from David Henderson asking, did you guys hear the people considering Angabari a draft steal? And, and, Paul, that was one of my – Favorite picks of day. Honestly, the entire day three was Mm -hmm. was awesome as far as I'm concerned. Like all of those guys were like, maybe some of that was just the fact that I'd watched those guys and heard of them. But like, I actually legitimately liked the players that they took as well. Like Zach Tom was somebody that I've had in there, obviously for a while. Romeo Dobbs. Kingsley Angabari was another guy. And this was a guy who I thought they could have taken as soon as the third round. And they got him in the fifth round. And he's somebody that you talk about edge three. If I had to have one gripe with this draft, Mm And it's hard to feel this way just because, like like you said, they went and got their guy, and like maybe it wasn't the guy that I liked, but they went and got their guy, so I like the idea on that as far as their receiver in round two goes. But they didn't address pass rusher. And on day two, there were some guys available. I mean, Josh Pascal was one. David Ojabo was another one. Obviously, Ojabo not going to play this year most likely because of that Achilles injury. But they were able to grab Angabari, and that's somebody that – could be their third edge rusher as soon as this year. And I know that's a, a lofty thing to point at him. I think it speaks to as much about maybe how I feel about Tipa and, and Jonathan Garvin and Randy Ramsey. And I know Gudukun said he likes those guys in the room, but I don't know how <laughs> I just, I can't remember any of those guys making any plays last year that you're like, Whoa, that was that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't anything like that. So what was your take on adding him and just kind of the edge room as a whole here before we close up? We're running out of time.
1: I think that he can be, you know, that third edge rusher in obvious passing situations, third downs, second and longs. Where this unit still needs a boost is some some help against the run when Gary and Smith aren't on the field. And we all know edge is a heavily rotated position. Those two were on the field I think they each missed a game. So, excluding those games when they didn't play, I think they were each on the field about 68, 70% of the snaps last year. So, that's a third of the defensive snaps where you need to rely on guys like Kingsley, Garvin, Tipa. And I, as I mentioned, I think that Kingsley can be that presence on passing situations, whether it's a traditional edge rusher role, if they try to move him inside or he's the edge rusher and Gary's inside, you know, they'll have options in that regard. But as a whole, this room, you know, they still, they still need someone else, I think. And maybe it's on the roster already. We see Garvin or Atipa take a step forward, but specifically in terms of skill set, if they can, I know it's a edge rushers, the pass rush, they want to get after the quarterback, but, you know, holding up against the runs important as well. And when we take Gary and Smith out of the equation, even with the addition of Kingsley, I'm still left with uh, kind of a big question mark in that regard. And I know this has been floated around um, on Twitter but if the Packers are going to still add a, a veteran in free agency to this roster, you know, I, I know a lot of people agree, but I think God Drescher has to be at the top of that list.
0: Yeah. And there's guys with some pedigree there too. Melvin Ingram, um, Justin Houston, Jerry Hughes, just guys that have played the position at a high level before. And the, you know, the question I'm not asking for an all pro, but can you find the, the Devondre Campbell at this point in free agency for the edge unit, because yeah, that was something that when we talked about this in free agency, you know, I talked about how I liked their potential approach. That was another one. Walner points out here: Jason Pierre-Paul. That's another guy, um, and he's got that championship pedigree, and that could be something honestly that I think Green Bay needs. You know, as far as guys on their team that have played in and won a Super Bowl, there aren't very many. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Sammy Watkins, Mason Crosby—just off the top of my head—of guys that have played in a Super Bowl before and, and won one. So. That could be a big thing. I think Green Bay, if they're going to add a vet, like you said, I think that's the number one spot just because I think that's the one where the biggest potential impact is. That being said, I'm not the highest on Odell Beckham like some other guys are. I've often been in the camp of never signing Odell Beckham to play for the Packers. So um, that's something there. Maybe a tight end, but I don't think there's – I mean, Gronkowski's available, but like if Gronk's going to play, it's going to be with Tom Brady in in Tampa Bay, not – in, in green Bay where it gets cold and, and nasty in the winter. So that's my take on, I know he played new England, but he's older now and all that sort of stuff. So we're out of time guys. Lombardi's bar is coming up next on this very channel. Thank you guys that stuck with us all night and all season, all draft season long, Jacob Morley and myself were here. Thank you to all of our guests, Ross Uglum, Eric, uh, Eric Edholm, Eric Crocker, um, Kent Swanson. There's, Jake helped me out a little bit here. There's some other guys that we've had on here as well. I, I know that I can think of, but uh, while wow, you're not doing a very good Paul. job with giving me that look, Paul, Paul Brattle, oh, Brendan, oh. Paul Brattle, Brendan Dwarzinski, Mike Kawano. I said, Eric Crocker, just there were so many people that we were able to get on through this cycle, had a lot of fun with it. Look forward to doing it next year. Looking forward to a nice quiet off season. Like I mentioned before, it cannot be worse than it was this time last year. And then hopefully this year, this time next year, we're talking about the Packers picking 32nd in in every year. And mm-hmm. to which point I could sit here happily and say on every show that this is awesome. I love the draft, but I also kind of don't really care who they pick because trophies are trophies are a whole lot of fun, but thank you guys that stopped by this off season. It was a lot of fun. We can't do this without people watching. If not, I might as well just write in a journal because what fun is it doing anything like this? I appreciate anybody who purchased a green Bay draft guide this off season as well. And looking forward to a lot of stuff, you know, this upcoming season, it'll be here before you guys know it. And we're going to hit the, uh, we're going to hit the in season content button here pretty quickly. We got all of our shows from last year coming back and we're adding some new stuff coming up here. In 2022 as well. So a lot of exciting stuff. Keep it tuned in over at game on Wisconsin. You could follow us on Twitter, game on W I find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram until then from Jacob Westendorf, Jacob Morley, Jacob Morley changed his name to the bear still suck. That's good. And you can find (laughs) Paul Brettel, of course, Paul underscore Brettel. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week.